the following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today, what do you think we're going to be talking about? What everybody's talking about, but we're going to be doing it from a much more uh, reasoned <laughs> point of view, um, especially with my guest, who I'll introduce to you in a minute. But today's show is Got Cure for School Shootings, Gun Control, Mental Health, Just Say No to Violent Media. We're going to be talking about all these potential cures and more. Uh, one of the things, well, let me first just, uh, for those of you who, because I know that this show gets listened to all over the world, so, um, so I, I don't want to like assume that everybody has heard about what has happened, uh, on Valentine's Day. In, in Florida, on Valentine's Day, uh, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, a high school in Parkland, Florida, there was a school shooter, um, named Nicholas Cruz, who came into the school and um, committed a school shooting where he killed um, 17 people, and there were 14 um, taken to the hospital, and there were more injured that we haven't really gotten details about, but certainly there were others um, either, if not injured by the bullets, then injured by... Um, you know, people running over each other to get out of the school. Uh, needless to say, this caused quite a panic and an upset and, and grief. I mean, it's, a, it's horrendous. I mean, there are way too many school shootings altogether, but there's something about this one um, that seems to be, uh, I think maybe it's the fact that it was on Valentine's Day. Maybe it's the fact that it does bring up so many issues involved in school uh, shootings, and we're going to be talking about that. And um, and also maybe it's because they the students from Parkland um, have become very active in mobilizing other students around the United States, and um, and are calling for gun control. And you know it's natural that um, with the gunshots still ringing in their ears. There were countless gunshots uh, during this school shooting. So while they're, it's, they're ringing in their ears, it's understandable that they would grab for the first thing that seems to be the solution, which is gun control. Now, that's not my, um, my opinion. Uh, certainly, I believe that there should be screenings, better screenings for people to get guns. Um, but gun control, you know, taking away the... Uh, our, our right to bear arms, I don't think is the solution. Instead, what isn't being talked about by these students is um, the, well, they, they may have mentioned, you know, it's kind of gotten to the sideline, mental health issues, and certainly um, Nicholas Cruz is a stunning example of why there needs to be better mental health assessment and treatment he was, he was missed. He gave off so many cues, clues on the Internet, in person. Apparently, the only people who didn't know how dangerous he was was uh, the family who took him in. No good deed goes unpunished. After his mother died, a family took him in. And um, they uh, didn't keep the, the gun safe locked. Or uh, You know, there are various stories on this. The mother is saying that she, the... 
she took away his key to the gun safe, why she let him bring a gun into the house to begin with, although there were guns from the family, apparently, in this gun safe. But anyhow, she's saying that he duplicated the key, and that's how he got the gun, and that's why, what he, how he was able to take it to school to commit the shooting. But um, what also really noticeably isn't being said by these students, uh, and my heart goes out to them, my heart goes out to all the people in Parkland, but um, what's not being talked about by them is violent media. I mean, it hasn't, I haven't heard this yet, the details of what violent media the shooter was obsessed with, but certainly <laughs> I can guarantee that there was some and, you know, so why aren't the students from Parkland talking about that? Uh, my guess would be because they, many of them, maybe aren't obsessed, but certainly enjoy violent media themselves and aren't about to just say no to it. Well, let me introduce my guest. His name is Kent Moyer. He is the CEO and founder of the World Protection Group and uh, a high-end executive protection company, Zero, 001, I guess it would be, um, it's an international firm. He has lots of great credentials. We'll, I don't want to take up the whole show naming them, but for example, he's an alumnus of the Wharton School. He was featured on many TV shows, including ABC Nightline News, Extra E, and so on. Uh, he first began his work when he was working for Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansion. That's uh, a credential in itself. And um, he has spoken all over the world, the U.S. Secret Service, the Homeland Security, FBI, and on and on. So welcome to the show, Kent. Thank you very much, Dr. Carroll, and I appreciate you having me on the show. And um, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a sad topic that we have to talk about, and obviously my, uh, my heart goes out to the families of the uh, individual uh, people that were hurt or injured and killed in, in the uh, Florida shooting. Well, now, why don't we... Um, you know, we'll talk about some of your experiences. I know that you have uh, done risk ass assessment at schools and helped schools to prevent school shootings, and certainly we're going to be talking about that. But I think my key question is, um, what, how do you heard what I said about gun control, being against gun control. What, what is your opinion about that? So here's my um, take on the issue with guns. <clears throat> so we have um, we have laws in every state of the country with regard to guns and every crime in the United States. And every single day, probably every minute of the day, those laws are broken, whether it be gun laws, whether it be burglary, robbery. And so, you know, the knee-jerk reaction and the emotional reaction is, is add more gun laws. So if I were a all of a sudden decide I want to be a bad guy today and I had a film crew film a documentary, do you know how quickly I could go downtown L.A., per, get a gun um, relatively as quick as possible, and execute a caper? It's relatively easy. Bad guys don't think about what the laws are. Bad guys break the law, and they don't care what the law is. So the, the laws are for good people. Mm. And so why punish everybody over, um, you know, individuals that, um, you know, that uh, create these shootings? when we should be looking at the proactive approach. And the proactive is, is there was every indicator in the world with this man, or with this actually young adult, um, with regard to that the police have been in his house 29 times with the FBI missing the cues um, on all of his social media accounts. And, and you don't even have to be an expert to be able to say, this guy is on a mission. And even the students in his own school predicted he was going to do something like this. So that's where we have to stop, and that's, that's where we have to create this preventive and educate people on what are these indicators that we should be looking at um, and then and, and take action on those indicators. And so I, I, I work both in a private sector and a law enforcement capacity. The other problem is, is law enforcement is set up for reactive and, you know, probably being involved in over a thousand of these type of cases, not specific to school shootings, but threats, terroristic threats, stalking, you know, cases like that. You know what I hear all the time is, and, and this is a disclaimer, and this is not bashing law enforcement. This is trying to find solutions and give them more tools to be able to solve the problems is call us when something happens. 
Mm. Well, that's the problem. The problem is we can't have something happen. And so that, that's my, uh, my feeling is all the gun laws in the world aren't going to work. Well, so, so you're, you're against, um, you know, banning guns, um, but so you're also against, like, having uh, better screening, like, for example, you know... That I'm 100% in mean, favor of. 100% what did you say? Favor of. What did you say? I'm, I'm 100% in favor of tightening up the background checks. And here's, here's part of the problem. We, when, when they do a criminal background check, is there's nothing tied to mental health. It is only based on, did this guy commit any crimes in the past? And that's what the check is run on. And I firmly believe that between psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health facilities, and it doesn't have to be an elaborate uh, diagnosis of what the person has that he shouldn't have a gun. Just one extra box in that criminal background check that says that if you had a, a patient and that patient was uh, violent or had the potential of being violent, that you can go into the database and check, I don't want this guy having access to a weapon. So that when the background check is run, um, that box is checked. We don't need to know what it is. We just need to know, hey, um, he's got some mental health issue that should prohibit, prohibit him from carrying a gun or obtaining a gun. Yes, well, I totally agree. And, of course, this, I mean, that's, as a psychiatrist, the thing about this that makes me the most angry, outraged, actually, in fact, <laughs> I tweeted uh, yesterday about how all the mental health professionals who misdiagnosed um, Nicholas Cruz and missed all the signs of his dangerousness should be fired and their license should be suspended until they have more training with experienced psychiatrists. So that, that's my opinion about that. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I, I would, would agree with you. And here is one other thing that I think that uh, I, I will throw out. My company, in the last five years, I would say, has been using a personality assessment inventory test. And you would be shocked if you, I mean, we had four people that just took this test, and all four people were, were rejected because they were faking the test. Mm. That what they try to do is take the test, and they try to manipulate what they think should be the answers, and it turns out that it's a, a bad test. Mm-hmm. But you cannot imagine, you know, within security, there are 8,000 security firms in the United States. And here's what I get all the time in my industry. Oh, he's already got a guard card, and he's already got a, a, a firearms permit. Why do you need to run a background check? The state did it. Well, mm-hmm. what you, people don't realize, the number of, of, of the state that misses things in people's backgrounds. And so I believe it sh- we should do background checks. And in addition, and I'm an NRA law enforcement firearms instructor, I'm a life member of law, uh, NRA, but I believe that we should be doing psychological assessments for everybody carrying a gun. I think that's positive. If you've got nothing to hide and you have no mental illness or you have no um, post-traumatic stress syndrome or issues uh, that prohibits you from carrying a gun, then why not? Take the test. And in California, it, this test is going to happen in, in the security world. It's already in the law, and it will be uh, implemented in July, that if we, we want to carry a gun here, we have to do a psychological assessment with the state, with BSIS, Bureau of Security Investigations. So I think that's positive. And uh, if we can tighten up the background checks um, and to make sure that people uh, – this guy had 10 rifles – I mean, and he's 19 years old. Even I think that anybody, that should be a red flag right there. Ten rifles, and he's only 19 years old? What does right. he need all these type of weapons for? Right. It's like uh, the mother of Adam Lanza. You know, where was uh, Nicholas Cruz's mother when he was buying all these rifles? Did she not know about this? I mean, he had to get the money from somewhere. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, if he had, if going back to the shrinks, um, if they had done their job and hospitalized him against his will, then Baker acted him, it's called in Florida, then, um, then he wouldn't have been able to get a gun. But they didn't yes. hospitalize him. They came out, you know, as you were saying, the police, I mean, there are varying numbers of how often the police came to his house from 10 to 36, but somewhere in there. Um, 
If, and some of those times, at least, they had a mental health professional, and they both missed it. They didn't arrest him. They didn't put him in the hospital. He had cuts on him. You know, there was a t- at least uh, for at least for one of the t- visits that he had started cutting himself because his girlfriend had broken up with him. I mean, you know, I mean, this guy. The only thing more he could have done before the school shooting was to stand in the schoolyard and scream, "Hey, I'm going to be yeah. shooting up this school on Valentine's Day." Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. all that was missing. Yeah. You know, the, the sad part about it is, is that we run a professional company that I really am deeply concerned about uh, even, you know, we have a lot of armed people in our company. So we actually go on social media before we call them in for an interview to see what is on their Facebook mm. profile. And, you know, and I'm using my industry as an example. You can go on and anybody that you see that's posting or got profile pictures of them with an AK-47 or they got gun pictures all over their uh, Facebook or uh, Instagram account or whatever, those people scare me, and I'm in the same industry. So I I really am am concerned about that, um, you know, uh, even in the security world, um, that the state does background checks, but each individual company should be doing background checks and psychological assessments to determine whether this person um, is is a you know a, a loose cannon. Um, and you know, a friend of mine who's uh, in your business said to me a long time ago. He said, "Look for guys that are reading Home and Gardens and Sports Illustrated and and uh, not not having pictures of guns and ammo magazine all over their mm-hmm. their uh, Facebook accounts." Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's, there's got to be a balance. You have to have a balance in your life. And when you see somebody obsessed with this, that, that's a big concern, you know, and, and, and should be concerned for uh, other people. Yes. You know, one of the things that I've noticed um, uh, just in my years of, as a psychiatrist uh, in various settings, like in emergency rooms and so on, is that a lot of times, and tell me, I'd love to know if you've noticed this, um, I mean, you would be in the best position since you were just talking about these psychological tests. But a lot of times, um, people with schizophrenia wind up being security guards because it's a job. You know, people with schizophrenia are loners and um, don't like and don't do can't work really in a setting where you have to have a lot of interaction with other people. And so, being a security guard seems like a per- perfect job for them, except for the fact that they're often carrying a gun or some other kind of weapon. Have you noticed that? Well, I mean, you know, unfortunately, um, the labor pool within the industry, I'm working on a case right now, and this case involves an entertainment company, and um, there is a guy making threats to the terrorist level, and we believe it's the the security guard. And the reality is is that, uh, um, you know, there's been law enforcement involvement the other concern that I have is obviously I said, you know, and my disclaimer is let's not, let's not blame it all on the FBI or any law enforcement agency, but here's what we get many times where I have a case, we report it to FBI or local or state law enforcement. I had one the other day. It was involving uh, the president of the United States. The person who made the threat was a woman who said that she was part of bin Laden's uh, organization and she was going to kill the president. And so Mm -hmm. what happened was um, it was given to the proper channels. It also was given to the Joint Regional Terrorist Center in Los Angeles, which is a fusion center, which all law enforcement have access to what comes in there and, and the information is being distributed. And I get a call a month later from the Secret Service wanting to know more details on it. So what that tells me is is probably the Secret Service didn't start their investigation until mm. a month later. Mm. And so, and look, I, and wait, again, wait. I, I, I need... feel for all of them because they're down agents. The FBI is down agents. And, um, you know, they're overwhelmed. But there's got to be some sharing and who's going to take the lead on the case. And that communication has to be stellar. Because many times when, when it's a threat... Wait, wait, let, the, Ken, let me stop yeah. you here because um, sure. we do need to take a break. Okay. We'll come back to uh, the threat on the president and bin Laden. <laughs> that must yeah. have been a very fascinating case. Um, we need to take a break. My guest is Kent Moyer. He is the CEO and founder of the World Protection Group. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about got cure for school shootings, gun control, mental health, just say no to violent media. Well, talking about this with my guest, Kent Moyer. He's the CEO and founder of the World Protection Group and high-end executive protection company, 001. So before the break, we were talking about uh, these various threats on the president and, and so on, and how hard it is to get um, the FBI, I guess, presu- predominantly, um, to just like in the case in, in Parkland, Florida, where, you know, the FBI was warned um, by someone who had a YouTube channel, and he, a YouTuber named Ben Benight. Uh, that Nicholas had left a comment on one of his videos that said, I'm going to be a professional school shooter. Again, how much more did Nicholas Cruz have to do to get somebody to pay attention to him and realize that he needed to be in the hospital, in a psychiatric hospital? Um, The FBI has now admitted that they failed to follow up on the information. Um, They've given various excuses for that. But uh, bottom line, they didn't really, you know, they tried saying they didn't know who he was or, I mean, just ridiculous excuses because he had his name on it. Um, Not to mention if they would have, you know, looked into other things like his social media, other social media postings and so on. But um, before we get back to my guest, Kent Moyer, I just want to mention, because I want to make sure that this, uh, that, that we talk about this today. Um, some of the things in Nicholas Cruz's background that brought him to the day, Valentine's Day, where he did commit the school shooting at uh, Parkland, Florida High School. So first of all, he was adopted, and he may have had a genetic predisposition to mental illness um, from his biological parents that we don't know about at this point, or they're not telling. Uh, He was adopted. Many children carry a chip on their shoulder when they're adopted because they feel abandoned and unloved by their biological parents, and they feel that there must be something wrong with them. 
Um, there are, you know, there have been various diagnoses thrown about for him, autism, ADHD. Everybody has ADHD these days, right? Um, and he's talked about hearing demons. So it's not clear what his diagnosis is, but certainly it is that he was dangerous and should have been in the hospital. Now, when he was six years old, his adopted father died suddenly of a heart attack. He was much older, actually. And so his mother, then his adoptive mother, then became a single mom, and she had to go to work and had less time for Nicholas and his younger brother, who had also been adopted. And, you know, I haven't heard a peep out of where his younger brother is. Of course, they're probably trying to protect him, but... uh, who knows what's, what has happened to him. He obviously needs uh, tremendous amounts of psychological help as well. Um, we'd already talked about how the police were called, called to their home. His mother, his adoptive mother, called the police to their home uh, between 10 to 36 times. He was known to have hurt and killed animals, which is one of the pathognomonic signs of being a psychopath. There's a triad, uh, killing animals, setting fires, and bedwetting. So we know he had at least one. One time he sent his dog to attack a neighbor's pig, which is pretty sick. And clearly his mother, although she supposedly did take him to get some kind of mental health treatment, all of this is still very vague, she obviously did not continue uh, and insist upon his staying in treatment. He had bravado about shooting and guns, putting pictures on social media and so on, that was, these were cries for help that fell on deaf ears. His school, uh, that made the, that was the triggering event because the school expelled him and because they, you know, started noticing some things that, where he might be threatening and dangerous. So first they said he couldn't bring in a backpack, then they t- expelled him. And so his shooting, the trigger for it, besides the fact one thing was his mother's death on November 1st, but also which reminded him of his biological mother that abandoned him, so to speak. Um, and this, by the school uh, expelling him, it was just like his biological parents expelling him. And this revenge that he took on the school and the students uh, related to really his earliest trauma of being abandoned by his biological parents. And um, so all of these people failed him. And all of these things can be done better in the future and need to be addressed. Um, so, Kent, let's talk about some of the schools that you have worked on for risk assessment and, and preventing of school shootings. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you a story of one of my first assessments, and I'll tell you then the... Uh, the, the, the culture of the schools has to change. And if it's, the principal doesn't really care or looks at security in a very minimum way, then the whole culture of the school and the individual people at the school are going to be very lax when it comes to security. So I go to the front, um, front area of the school to sign in, and the girls that were working the front desk took about 10 minutes before they even knew I was there. So in that 10 minutes, if I was an, think about it this way, I'm a good guy, but if I was an active shooter, they would have been all dead in five seconds because nobody even recognized that I was there. Uh Then the second thing is nobody was checking identifications and nobody was checking whether I signed my real name or I put Mickey Mouse Uh in the signing sheet. Then I meet with the principal, and we walk around the school. As I'm walking around the school, I'm looking at all the access points and taking pictures of the access areas. So doors are propped open. Side doors are open that leads to the public. Um, Gates are wide open. There is no security on the school. There are no school police there. And then we asking a series of questions about alarms and cameras and that CCTV alarm systems, panic buttons in the in the individual rooms. They have camera systems, bare minimum, and the only one viewing the camera system are the girls that not or weren't paying attention to me when I walked in the door for ten minutes. So then. The other thing I said, let's say there was an active shooter here in the school. Where would you evacuate them to? And he said, well, we would evacuate him into the middle area of the school where it's wide open and everybody can stay there. 
well, that's real good because you're just evacuating, let's say, 100 or 200 students into the area where the shooter just has to come out and mow them all down with mm-hmm. the gun because they're, they're, it, you have to evacuate them outside school grounds. You can't keep them on school grounds when there is a shooter on the school grounds. You have to, they have to get out of the area. Then I said to them, um, if you have a, bad, a, a problem student, you know, example of a, a cruise-type person, in your school, how long will it take for you to get a threat assessment done of that individual? He said at least two weeks. Oh, wow. And, and so the school is, is in the Venice area. And so the, I said, how, what is the police, a unified police response to the location? Probably 20 minutes. Well, LA, LAPD is in the Venice area. They would have a faster response. So when you look at this shooting, and he killed 17, and, you know, the number of wounded, you know, I, I heard 12. Um, it took three minutes. So unless you have armed security on the property on, on, and you've done risk vulnerability assessment to, to form a strategy to keep the doors locked, to do patrols, to have camera systems, to wrestle arms, that there's an immediately response, the chances of a school like that um, – you know, uh, not having high casualties um, is is uh, it's very difficult. Uh, you, you so that has been my experience with a lot of schools, and you know, and the risk vulnerability assessment is the start. And so we have a system, and that system gets sixty thousand live feeds, and it also taps into Twitter and identifies fifty different threats. And so when I was when the Boston bombing happened, I looked at 144 news stories in an hour, and I I basically was looking for who who was the, the you know person caused the the bombings, what was the mode of operation, are there going to be any other cities hit, and in addition looking um, for somebody that came forward and said we did this attack, so so. There has to be some sophisticated software that can track and can get live feeds every day that basically has uh, keywords that talks about, um, you know, I'm going to shoot up the school or I'm going to, um, you know, I'm, I'm in such and such area that we're able to, on a proactive way, get the intelligence and to stop it ahead of time. So how does that work? And I'll give you an ideal case. Okay, so there was a, a Trump, a pro-Trump guy who was going to go downtown L.A. and he was going to protest against 100,000 anti-Trump people. <laughs> and so, in the last couple days, we observed that he had automatic weapons in his car, taking pictures of the automatic weapons, AR-15s, and weapons in his car on his lap. So what happened from an intelligence standpoint, we, had, we started seeing differences in his Facebook, and we started then being concerned, and we alerted LAPD. And we alerted LAPD that we're concerned about this guy could come there with an AR-15 or some automatic weapon. He's been beaten up. We, we found that he was beaten up at a couple of the protests because the, pro, uh, the pro-Trump people would be about 20, and you'd run into thousands of anti-Trump people. So what happened was... We, you know, this is the uh, desired goal. He is streaming live on his Facebook about the protest and him downtown. And guess who's standing next to him? An LAPD sergeant who knew about the intelligence that we gathered. Mm. So that's exactly how it and, work. And then what happened? Well, nothing happened. And he, he didn't have a gun in the car or anything. But LAPD was monitoring the him as an individual during the entire time of the protest. Mm. And if he, you know, let's say he would have showed up with a big backpack or uh, they would have had the option and they probably would have said, let me see what's in your backpack. We want to make sure there's no weapons in there, mm-hmm. which we've done, you know, a number of times when we're doing special event security or uh, any type of security of, uh, uh, you know, where, where it's at a, a physical uh, facility checking and doing searches of uh, uh, back, you know, backpacks and any type of uh, things that they're bringing into the location. So that, that's ideally how it works. And, you know, and really from an intelligence standpoint, intelligence and, and you know, social media is a treasure trove on this. 
I, I can tell you that social media, um, you know, if, if there was a YouTube post uh, of a picture, you could probably go on social media and search and find that same picture, even if the guy is under a different name on uh, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. So that's where we gather the intel uh, to be able to, to monitor what's going on. So if I have a client celebrity that's being stalked or there's some uh, threats or indirect threats made, we just monitor their social media and we monitor um, um, you know, what their posts are saying and uh, a lot of times they don't even you know, know what we're doing. We also then are able to get deleted pictures off the social media. And, you know, like mm-hmm. one of the things that was on his Instagram account, him killing these small little animals. I mean, uh, you know, pictures of him with the weapons. And, you know, if you start seeing increases of these things, then that obviously raises the red flag and concerns. Yes. Now, going back to the school that you were talking about, um, so after you made this assessment and you pointed out all these things that, you know, showed that the school was really uh, a heaven for, uh, you know, for a school shooter, yes. what, what did the school do about it? I mean, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing because now you've told them, and if they don't do anything, they have liability. Absolutely. You know, OSHA law says that we, they, you know, OSHA law says that we have to protect our students. We have to protect our uh, employees. We have to, even if they're traveling to foreign countries, you know, that's part of OSHA. Um, so here's, here's what happens. A full assessment on a school like that is probably about 385 to 400 pages. Now, wow. can you imagine a cultural shock when they get, let's say, 100 different things they should be doing differently? Yeah. So what we try to do, and we, you know, what we try to do is we want to be involved in helping you implement it. Sometimes we are, sometimes we hand them the report, and who knows whether it sits on a shelf and nobody looks at it until there is some incident that occurs, and hopefully that never happens. What we try to do is prioritize what are the biggest areas that we need to shut down mm-hmm. in terms of security issues, and we focus on the top ten. Because if you're in a culture where they don't care about security and, you know, and they're, and, and they're not uh, willing to, they don't have the money to spend for security, there's budget issues also, obviously, then you have to do it in a slow process and say, okay, these are the tier one things that we want to fix immediately. Here's tier two and here's tier three. And oddly enough, some of the things that need to be fixed are not anything that costs money. Just lock doors. Um, make sure that somebody's patrolling, uh, you know, even if it's not a security person. Maybe uh, a teacher says, okay, I'll do this hour, you do the next hour, mm. make sure, let's do a perimeter check of the school to make sure everything's locked up. You know, doors get propped open, and, 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 and then, you know, oh, I want to go out for a smoke. Or, oh, I want the door propped open because my mom's coming in to pick me up that way, and mm-hmm. the door is supposed to be locked. So there's always this balance between security and comfort. And it happens all the time, you know, whether it be at a hotel, whether it be uh, a school or, um, you know, there's this constant balance between, um, you know, high-level security versus what the comfort level and the culture is of the school as well as the teachers and the staff at the school. But I think we're at a a time and place where we actually need to go 100% school security, armed security, maybe one person for the smaller schools, two people for the bigger schools, and it should be done with risk vulnerability assessments first and do those assessments to find out what the weak areas are and to build a strategy. And it can be done starting out slow and then over a period of time build up to a higher level because it's not going to go away. I mean, we had 345 mass shootings last year, and how many have we already had this year? Um, Uh And, uh, you know, violence has gone up. Um, you know, you got more incidents, you got more deaths, you got more injuries, you know, every, every year. So I think that we have to start thinking as a culture and as, as a, a government that we need to, um, and again, gun laws aren't going to do it. We just need to uh, be proactive and create a, a culture. And we need to create some laws for law enforcement that when these threats come in, even though there hasn't been a crime prevented, I mean, uh, uh, done yet or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, occurred, that law enforcement has some tools that either they can put surveillance on the guy, they can get into their social media accounts, that they can then uh, run it by somebody in a rapid manner, you know, somebody in the health professional area, you know, your field, psychiatrist, psychologist, and say, give me your take on this. Between 
um, you know, the, the uh, person, the principal of the school, uh, the security as well as uh, uh, mental health to come up with solutions and say, and, and it's got to be quick. It yes, can't be yes. where a threat well, assessment takes two weeks. Yes. All right. Well, we do need to take another break. Uh, my guest at the time is going really quickly. My guest is Kent Moyer. He is the CEO and founder of the World Protection Group and high-end executive protection company 001. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today, uh, Got Cure for School Shootings, Gun Control, Mental Health, Just Say No to Violent Media. And uh, those of you who have been listening to this show or following me in other media, you know that um, my strongest, uh, I've, been a, I've been an anti-media violence person, activist, for years. Um, I think that if, if there was one thing, I mean, you know, it's, it's getting better mental health treatment for kids at earlier ages, but if there was just one thing, uh, well, two things that could be done. I mean, the focus should be on the mental health and on the violent media. Now, um, I have been hesitant to say too much about violent media, you know, except this, is, this has come out, um, this school shooting on Valentine's Day, has uh, has caused me to rethink that, but when but I have been very strongly against all kinds of violent media, and when I did that, um, the gamers came out and Amazon bombed my books. You know, the on Amazon they wrote all these horrible reviews when there's no way that they could have bought the books. Now this is this is a few years ago when um, when Amazon didn't require that people buy the books to make comments, which presumably they do today. I'm not really. <laughs> even sure about that, but in any case, um, if certainly I, I can't wait for it to come out. What Nicholas Cruz was addicted to, what you know, obsessed with, certainly Adam Lanza, we know was obsessed with violent video games. Uh, the Columbine shooters. I mean, that is something, as I was mentioning earlier, that has not been spoken about by the students from the Parkland High School, who are all out there talking about gun control. So um, let me. Uh, get back to my guest, Kent Moyer, and um, ask him what his experience has been about um, violent media in terms of all the security work that you do. 
Well, I think we live at a time where, you know, this incident occurred and what is the media going to do, manipulate anybody into believing anything um, and really uh, staying away from really the real facts of the case and solutions to solve the problem. And, um, you know, I mean, look, you can look at the liberal media nowhere in the history of my lifetime, have, whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, it doesn't matter. I mean, even if another president was in there right now, I've never seen the vicious uh, uh, that every day they they criticize a president to this level that they uh, they have done, um, and and they do it and they pit the Democrats against Republicans. But you know, going back to what you just mentioned is the video games. Uh, the we're in a different uh, time from when I grew up. You know, we had the video games, and you know, uh, I'm a licensed pilot, and we used to. Uh, uh, simulators on computers to be able to fly planes. Well, what are this, the video games doing, you know, with these, uh, I forget some of the names of the games because I happen to not play any video games, <laughs> but the uh, where you're using guns in a video to shoot bad guys or good guys, you're desensitizing them from real people. And, you know, they're practicing, you know, where, where a, uh, a sheriff or a police officer qualifies four times a year, they're obsessed and they're doing this on a daily basis. Then they become desensitized to people. And then, yeah. um, you know, with, with the reality TV show going and, and how everybody's uh, bullying people online and, and all the social media craziness that's out there, um, you know, I think that's part of what uh, we're seeing that possibly could have happened, uh, you know, with Mr. Cruz and, and some of the reasons why he uh, chose the path that he did to, uh, of destruction. So yes. I'm, I'm really concerned about that, and, and I think it's going to get worse. Yes, and you were making, uh, um, in be- when we were just off the air, you were talking about how when you were a kid, um, 13 years old, I think you said that you had a gun and you went hunting and so on, but that at the time there wasn't the same kind of other influences um, as there are today that, that do increase. I mean, first of all, just let me say, that the, there have been studies upon studies for decades that show that the more violent media one consumes, whether that's television shows, movies, video games, um, violent toys, you know, war toys, um, that it increases the more one consumes, kids especially, but adults as well, that the more violent or at least aggressive they will become, whether that shows itself ultimately as domestic violence or road rage or school shootings. And um, so it's a very different world as far as uh, what all of these kids, you know. And, and I want to talk, we don't have that much time left, but I want to talk a little bit about terrorism because, you know, I am the terrorist therapist. And, um, and uh, I have been thinking about how terrorism and all the news about terrorism and terrorist attacks have, has been another source of stimulation uh, an influence, you know, I mean, in a way to say, uh, like there are lone, lone wolves we know that ISIS has inspired, but what about the possibility that ISIS is inspiring um, high school students to, to go on school shooting rampages? Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Mr. Cruz had a, um, I, I would say, a horrible uh, upbringing, you know, with his parents. And then, um, you know, not that they were bad people, but, you know, the father passed away early and then the mother passed away. And and so he didn't have a, a very good, uh, you know, childhood. And so, you know, people are looking for something to latch on to, some, some, some cause, some mission. And, you know, when, when I've dealt with a lot of these bad guys, you know, in the past, um, you know, there were times where even though I was the guy that put him in jail or got him arrested, um, they actually trusted me. And, and, you know, I remember sometimes they said, do you want me to let your family know? One guy was from Paris, France, that you're in jail and what happened and everything else. And uh, he, he trusted me, I think, more than he did his own parents because he said, no, I, I just, you know, you're the only friend I have, you know, that kind mm. of thing. And mm. so, like, a person like Cruz, I think that... The, we have to learn how to disrupt the cycle, and how to disrupt the cycle is is when you see, start seeing these behavior changes. You know, if people help him, um, and people get him to proper counseling, and spend a little bit time with him to find out what's going on, why is he thinking all these things that he's thinking, that I think that we can stop some of this, 
and uh, turn it into a positive versus uh, letting him go down that that road all the way to the end when he takes the gun and he actively uh, shoots people. I'm a firm believer also, I don't believe in this lone gun w- gunman thing. Um, you know, if it, let's say a person is now deciding that he wants to become radicalized and he starts w- watching videos of ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Al-Awlaki online and he starts getting into this and then he decides that I want to execute a terrorist attack, there is no membership for ISIS. You don't pay a fee and you just join. <laughs> so my belief is that these people... They really believe that they are part of it, and they have mm. been radicalized. And we have to stop the radicalization in the schools and at an early age. We have mm-hmm. to stop it in the jails. We have to stop it in the schools, and we have to stop it in uh, the mosque. Um, and I think that there ha- there has to be training in that area. Um, and again, to, training to be able to detect that these people are on that mission and going down that path, and then somehow that we get these people off the mission and say what you're doing is not a good thing and and you know and and that uh, they get the help that they need um, well, but Kim, I, I, yeah. I I just I need to stop you because we're running out of time but I want you to sure. give out um, how would you like people to contact you well um, my company is the world protection group our corporate headquarters is in Beverly Hills our telephone number is 310-390-6646 and um, you know, our we have a website, uh, the World Protection Group, and Double uh, O One, which is the luxury entity of the company. Um, and we we built partners all over the world, so you know, we we have resources all over the world in terms of uh, helping people from investigations to executive protection to uh, um, you know being involved in uh, helping them with threats that they have. And obviously, uh, uh, my listeners can hear that you are. <laughs> Very, very professional, very well-versed in all of this. Um, very impressive. Uh, I also want to give out my um, information in regard to, well, first of all, terroristtherapist.com, but also um, if you're a parent or a teacher and you're listening to this uh, and you want to talk with your kids about whether it's terrorism or some of the things in my new book can also be applied to um, how to talk to kids about school shootings, for that matter. It's violence. We're talking about violence and how to, how to talk to kids about that without making them scared so that they hide under the covers. And that can be bought wherever books are sold and also uh, most easily from my publisher, which uh, the website is terrorismforkids.com, www.terrorismforkids.com. And, um, again, thank you so much, Kent. Uh, Kent Moyer, the World Protection Group. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very sad, but as you said, violence is going up, and it is really feeding on itself, and we, we have to put a stop to it now, whether it's we wake up because of this Valentine's Day shooting or, um, or because we're seeing it in people that we know and want to protect everybody else. So thank you again, Kent, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 